Welcome to the Invincible Innovation Show, the podcast for changemakers. Each week, I talk to the most fascinating entrepreneurs and innovation leaders about innovation, strategy, and design. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to see you here. The question we have today to ask is, how could we move beyond incremental innovation? Welcome to Invincible Innovation Live. I'm Adima Zorkario, innovation and value creation expert, and I'll be your host. And today with me, hey, I've got, hey, Ule, thanks God. Great to see you. Great to see you. I've really been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. So, so Ule is senior innovation consultant, and uh, we are live on LinkedIn and YouTube and Facebook, and, and you're much invited to join us and to ask uh, questions, and we'll be happy to, to answer. So let's start. What is the biggest obstacle to innovation as you see it? Well, I think one of the big obstacles to innovation is actually the, the dilemma that senior management is working on, because on one hand, they have to run the business. And on the other hand, they need to focus on what kind of business do we want to also have in five to 10 years. And these two are very different uh, leadership challenges that they have. Well, the first one is a lot about operational efficiency. They'll be in meetings talking about quality problems, talking about uh, other kind of issue delivery problems. And then they want to go into meetings where they're talking about the more strategic, the more long-term innovation, where they're talking about, are we learning enough? How will this unfold? Is it big enough? And, and that's a completely different um, uh, kind of leadership challenges and also how you want to lead your people. I think that's yeah. one of the, 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 the big, when you talk innovation in a corporate context. Yeah, you're right. I think that the tension between what we need to manage right now and what we could be or could do in the future is something that you need to hold all the time and, and to deliver uh, the understanding and to tell the story for both, for both sides all the time. So you could tell us you have like, so much experience either from that side of a corporate and from a consultant point of view. So tell us a bit, how do you see that from your experience? Well, I think um, it is true. I, I both, I've been on both sides working with mm -hmm. bigger Danish companies like Grundfos and Lego and, and now also for uh, three to four years now working as a consultant. Um, so I think what we are discussing a lot and, uh, is about how can you build a systematic approach to this strategic in innovation that can help companies being able to do that on a continuous basis. So just not by luck and one-off innovations. Uh, and, and that's where we work a lot. And, and what we're looking a lot on, where we see the differences a lot, what is the level of uncertainty when you start? Right. And that's, that's our entry point. Because if the level of uncertainty uh, are, is low, then a lot of companies have very well-established structures with states gate and their uh, planning structures and other things that works very well. But when the level of uncertainties are high, then mm. these systems very often get into problem because the finance, the CFO, he will often ask for a business plan way too early when the level of uncertainty mm. are far too high. There are far too many questions to be able to make a business case with any level of um, reliability. So that's, yeah. that's some of the big challenges that, that mature companies have because they've become so used to being able to predict things. They've been so used to develop operational efficiency and and 
avoid talking about uncertainty and just do the risk mitigation where they also have tools. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's, right. that's some of the things we see a lot. That's a big change for these um, mature companies. And, and, yeah. And, and it's, it's it also uh, difficult because that's how they become big. Grundfos became yeah. big, becoming world champions in producing circulator pumps at very high quality, at low production cost, and they can produce them with very high delivery service and and the best-in-class features at a low production cost. But what if they are to, to do something else? Yeah, and especially right now when we're talking about uncertainties, we, yep. we have this COVID crisis outside and everything yep. is changing. So in innovation, we always need to talk about uncertainties, but right now it's even much more than that. So it's, it's a big... Um, challenge for companies, I would say. It is, yeah. So what do you think is needed in order to innovate better within these uncertainties? Well, I think it, it is to have, I think one of them is to have a systematic approach that instead of just trying to force fit your innovation effort into your existing structures with, with state gate and other things, you need a system that can help you reduce these uncertainties upfront. And that's a much more learning-based environment where you're working on learning. Uh, and, and on one hand, that's a lot like in, in uh, the startup world where you want to, yeah. to, to have your sprints, you want to, to, to learn one step at a time, and then you use your learning to design the next learning loop. But, but where it differs, and, and that's also one of the challenges that uh, we meet a lot of people in the corporate context who read the startup books and, yeah. oh, we need to do sprints, and that's correct. But the resource and organizational uncertainties, they're quite different in the corporate world. Sure. Sure. In corporate world, it's a lot about strategic alignment. In the startup world, it's about how can you survive until you can get funding? How do you make your exit strategy? And that's two yeah. very different things. And, and that's also a big challenge in, in a lot of companies to, to organize around that. How can they have a governance for that? Do they make yeah. committees uh, or how do they do that? And who, what kind of people should be on these committees? What are the decision criteria to go from uh, the conceptualization and discovery into the market experimentation and incubation? What are the decision criteria? They're so yeah. used to for the, from the state gate, gate free, that's the, the business plan. But now they need something else. And uh, yeah. that can be difficult because in this yeah. corporate theater that happens a lot. They, yeah. they used to have some some set pieces that they can always go back to and oh now I know what you're talking about, but you're what right, if they you're don't. Right. I totally agree. You know, like uh, for many years I worked with tech companies and startups, so they have a kind of a mindset of explorer, trying things out. Mm. And then when I went into innovation with more mature companies, you see that you need to adjust the, the, these way of thinking, these processes, in order to align to the way that they work, to the people the, and the way they think. They think really differently in a corporate than what you, that you see in tech or in, in uh, startups. And, and this a gap, is, it needs to be a, a bit smaller when you do it. Like you, you do sprints, but in many cases, I've done lots of sprints and, and then it doesn't get executed. So they have a great idea, but will they fund it? Will they go further? Could they really create that till the end? It's a big challenge for a corporate. And, and, and if they don't have this system and culture, it's like stuck in the middle. It's not going further. Exactly. And, and there, there are different places where you can, you can get to some showstoppers. 
some of them they spend far too much time in discovery conceptualizing where they almost they want to bring it almost to a business case level and they they make analysis paralysis and, and far too often that's happened behind the desk instead of talking to thought leaders and figuring out what are the trends then in incubation with the market experimentations too often we see that they have a great idea and then someone in the sales organization say, oh that's a great idea run with it and then they incrementalize meaning that they take the first, the best idea and try to make a product out of that and move that into the commercial part of the company. And they don't, they are not able to capture the full potential of what it actually could be because then the idea becomes just one product instead of a portfolio of, of products. Then they come mm -hmm. to the acceleration uh, phase where they want to scale. And many times we see then they'll spend all the money. And, and they can't get support to scale it up, make the market creation that's sometimes needed, that you need to have some level of understanding of, oh, if a company is going from a B2B business model into a B2C, then probably you'll need to invest something in getting into that market. And, sure. and that can be uh, pretty high investments. Uh, yeah. And you, you need to be ready for that. You need to set the expectations that that's going to happen. And, and yeah, that discussion is, is not necessary if you're in the core business, because if you yeah, want to make you, the next you generation of your of your cash cow, nobody questions whether you need to invest in marketing and and yeah, and and you have your base of clients and you have your mm -hmm. brand within a certain domain, so yes. it's it's kind of easy to do some kind of an adjustment, and you still have your your audience, and and it's just yep. fine. If you want to go to another audience, you need to invest in it. Yep. And that, that's something they did not do maybe for tens of years. And, and yep. it's, it's different than what they're used to. Yep. So, so, so what are the challenges you think like innovation leaders are facing these days with, with the corona crisis? Well, I think there are different. Uh, in, in, with the corona crisis, I think also if you look on, on the technical part, I think some of the, 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 the technology, some of the technology, is that feasible now with the new circumstances that we have? So, so there will be new questions that's popping up on the market. Will the infrastructures, the ecosystems, are they still su sustainable? Uh, there are big companies like my former uh, company, Grundfos, who have to think about how are we sourcing? Do we need to have more regional sourcing to be able actually to source the components to make our products? So that changes all of that. Uh, the, the purchase department going to have economy of scale? Do they need more suppliers to have a more robust system? On the resource side, what kind of partners do we need to make uh, that work? Um, are you, do we also need maybe to hire somebody who can work more on business model innovation compared to people who can work on the technical innovation, on the product innovation? On, on the organization part, um, do we need to adjust the, the, the um, strategic intent, the, the strategy beyond the normal strategy horizon of three to five years? Do we need to change a little because the world is changing? Yeah, uh, everything, so I, everything is changing. So and I think that raises a lot of questions that uh, needs time to, to discuss and figure out uh, how does that fit to our company? And, and there's yeah. not one fits all. It's It, it has to be with that particular company? What is the DNA of this company? Right, right. It really makes sense to me that since everything is changing around you and, and maybe your clients, your market, your competitors, what, everything around you is changing, you need to think what is the part 
that you need or should or could change, you know, to adjust to all the changes outside. And it's hard. It is hard. And it's it's the typical strategy dilemma. Also, yeah, many companies, it's quite easy to discuss what you want to achieve. And it's a lot harder to discuss, okay, in order to achieve this, then we want to give up this. That can also yeah. be difficult, especially sure. if, if, that's, if that's a sacred cow in the company. We've always done it like this. Yeah. Now we need to give it up to be able to become world champions uh, in something else. Yeah, I think that that giving up on things that you are sure about and you got results on the pa- in the past is so hard for them. Mm. And, yeah. and it really makes sense because still now it worked. It worked really fine. Mm-hmm. And now you're saying, okay, you need to consider something else. Why mm. should we? It's really hard to see the results in the end in the market. It takes time. It could be like in two years, but in two years, will you be ready for that? Exactly. It's hard and to that, convince. Exactly. And that leads into metrics as well, because in, in, in the core business, a lot of especially successful companies they have very good metrics. They can know exactly what they're selling, margins, profitability, but how do they measure on something that they want to put to really commercialize in three to five, five years? How do they measure these how they progress on learning how do they yeah. progress on reducing uncertainty that's that's also for a, a lot of people in the corporate world that's uh, relatively difficult because it's not that as tangible as what they're used to yeah they can't, I they, think can't that, see, they can't see it in the ERP see. system yeah if you have uh, like ROI it's very clear mm-hmm. this is how yeah. much and it's calculated and something which is not tangible it's hard to to really relate to and and it's hard to just think about it as progressing if you don't see the bottom line results, um, which is hard. And, and I, would, I would assume that in, in many companies, I've, I've been part of it myself, if you make a business case for a, a new product generation, then you try to, to, um, to sugarcoat the numbers a bit to make it profitable. Yeah. Everybody knows it. But what if you have something that's longer into the future with more uncertainties, then it uh, becomes a lot harder to get people to believe that. Is this really yeah. Uh, feasible? Yeah. Yeah. I think that what we discussed in the last time is about Lego, that only when they came into this point that they couldn't do anything in a very, very lone point in the company, they decided, okay, we don't have any other choice. We should just try something yeah. completely different. Yeah, um, the, the burning platform certainly helps to make change, absolutely. But it also yeah. limits uh, what kind of change you can make. So it, it's not that you should ask for a burning platform. No. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of change management in this. How do you orchestrate that? Uh, to, yeah. And, to, uh, to unfreeze, to be able to create something new. Uh, and, and you need to look at how, what's the state the company is, what's the environment it's, it's operating in. Yeah, I th- what I, I talked about in, in the case of Lego is the urgency. So how can mm. you create this urgency when everything is just fine? We've done everything uh, as till now in this certain uh, process in this certain way. So how can you make them uh, be anyway uh, compliant to the change or needs to change or really want to change if everything is working just fine? So a crisis like we have right now or what Lego had in the past is is a point that you could not continue say that, that mm. to say that everything is just fine. Everything Correct. is working as it worked. Correct. But well, I think one example is, is actually uh, what Grundfos did in 2008, where the CEO 
uh, make a, an initiative, looked into what are the trends in the world, and, and he made actually a white paper, an innovation intent, describing how he envisioned, together with his leadership team, how he envisioned Grundfos in 2025. Wow. And, and one of the bullet points in that, or one of the sections that was about that they imagined that one third of the turnover would be something that was not necessarily related to pumps. So I think that's that could be a way to create a sense of urgency throughout the organization. And there was a big effort on communicating that innovation intent. So the employees knew that we still want to be, another bullet point was, by the way, we still want to be number one in circulators. So there was a very good communication about this is what we want uh, from, from yeah. top leadership, that we, we want to be able to have uh, solutions, offerings to the market that goes beyond pumps. Yeah. So I think and that's that's a like, very proactive way to yeah. to uh, to set some kind of urgency uh, and it's a lot about creating a compelling vision that people want to follow. Yeah, it's a vision very to 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 the future from yeah. to 2006 to 25 which is like lots of years ahead yeah. but this is a trajectory. This is where we're going. Yeah. Right? And and it allows people to to experiment and to try to get there and, and maybe be incentivized on their way there and not only uh, seeing the result right now because we have something like upcoming for our future. True. And it also tells them that uh, for this third of the turnover, it's not just continuing to do, be the best to develop and, and put pumps to the market. We need to be able to be uh, first class at something else next to that. And I think that's a very strong message to send to the organization. Yeah, we have a LinkedIn user. I'll show you what he's saying, which is very interesting. Uh, as a leader in a company, I would be more comfortable knowing there is a team that is building long-term opportunities, capabilities, and potential opportunities, and is following a learning cycle process than having a team that is building presentations with sugar-coated MVPs. Uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope also that was what I said to build this system that that are in the US, that that for discovery and incubation where we have the high levels of uncertainty that have the right methodology that's building on iterative learning that's built on working on business proposals talking about what could be at the end of discovery instead of NPV and that mm -hmm. have a very high uh, level of capability of doing market experimentation, which, yeah. by the way, is also very different from what, what I used to do when I was a product manager. Because when I went into the market, there was a lot doing field tests to test that the products wouldn't fail at the end of the development cycle. Whereas here, you're going in to learn. So it's a lot about what is the, what is the, the, the best possible learning prototype you can make at a yeah. very low cost that you can afford to do a lot of learning cycles. And that's two very different uh, thinking because a lot of engineers in, in well-established companies, they are quite reluctant to go into the market to learn before they have a close to perfect product. Because yeah. in sales, they don't want to go out to a customer if they're not an expert on the, on the product. But now you need yeah. to go out and say, hey, I'm not, I am here because I want to learn. I have, yeah. a, I have a, a, a great idea that I think this could be good for my company. I think it could be good for the market and for where you want to learn. Do you want to learn with me? And that's yeah. a completely different approach to go into the market. And, and that falls into to this comment as well. That's what you need to build. 
in in your company to be able to to do strategic innovation on a continuous basis um, absolutely yeah I, I think it's connected to another thing which is how you see yourself as a leader how you see yourself as a company which is more exploratory and less like uh, we know everything we're best in everything and we want to show it to our clients that we're always sure about what we're doing sometimes collaborating with your um, customers with your uh, maybe a third party business relations so it's like understanding each other on your way more than I know and I'll show you what I know it's like exactly. we, we learn together and thanks for the LinkedIn user that helps us on on that one yeah so, it's very good to get that clarified yeah so tell us about a use case from one of your clients and how you help them innovate successfully and and not like incrementally how yeah, did they do um, I'll take a, a use case where it's actually part of the innovation journey for that. it was a chemical company where they had uh, a business opportunity they they were working basically only b2b selling ingredients to to different kinds of stuff so they had an, an idea for a business opportunity that would mean that they would uh, go b2c and the the team leader he he had a, a he was relatively frustrated when we started the program because he had a gut feeling I'll be needing to do something when we go commercial. He, he knew very well how to make tests and clinical tests of all the stuff they were making, but he knew that he'll be needing to do something when he wanted to commercialize to go. He, he didn't know exactly what. He tried to talk to senior leadership about investing in partners and, and that failed. But when we started with to, to introduce the discovery incubation acceleration to talk about the conceptualization, the scoping, the vision for it, um, and also introduced um, uh, a, a system of uh, actually internal innovation courses that helped him ask the right questions and identify what are the most critical assumptions based on this. And he started shifting the the dialogue with his uh with his uh committee at one meeting i was coaching i said what will happen instead of talking about all your test results talking about everything you know instead you start the meeting saying look look guys this is what we want to do this is what this is the uh, assumption we're building this on these are the most critical ones and get it out of the open and start discussing that and the next meeting, it was totally different because he came back. He all of a sudden he got the support of his committee, instead of getting a meeting where they were discussing um, if one test result was good or bad, if it should be 2.3 versus 2.4. So he got a completely different dialogue with uh, his uh, committee when he turned it around, uh, and that was in early uh, incubation to talk about what is it actually we know we do not know. Yeah. And this is our plan, how we want to reduce this uncertainty. Yeah. I and think so that, that some, changed, something that, changing that changed the, the game for, 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 for that particular opportunity. Yeah. It's like changing the dynamics within the group. And, and in many cases from the other episode that I had, I, I, people are talking about creating a culture of innovation and co-creation mm. and talking mm. about things together and not a, uh, uh, something which is less in in most of these companies in their core uh, products and and services they have something which is very hierarchical and it works mm. when you know what you're doing exactly and you have the mm. system to support that but in the unknown we need something which is more like a collaboration of a net and this is what we aspire to have 
in in the culture of of the company when we're thinking about the future the unknown future actually exactly and and it's it's the culture and the ability to do the storytelling to tell a compelling business vision a business proposal is, is a lot more important and that's very similar to the startup world you need to be able to do yeah. a good uh, value pitch and and one of the things that that we also find very often we are working mostly with technology based companies and a lot of the innovation opportunities actually comes out of the R&D and it's very difficult to get them to talk about the uh, innovation opportunities beyond the technical part yeah and, and a lot because, of times because there are technical people they understand absolutely, it really very, well there are very good reasons for that yeah but we we also find that through experience and actually also research show that a lot of the the good innovation opportunity they actually fail on resource or organization uncertainties that they don't get the right partners and that could be for the development or for commercialization or it doesn't fit very well with this there's no good strategic alignment or important stakeholders in the sales organization who's actually, who's going to commercialize it afterwards is not in place or it falls between two uh, strategic uh, business areas a lot of times that can be the showstopper yeah which and, is and like a, it's a shame because you have the resources yeah. but you don't delegate them as well as you could in order to make it successful because it's it demands a different way of thinking than what you had in this uh, a matrix of of your organization needs to be a, a, a bit more flexible maybe in order to to make it true and you need to orchestrate it uh, differently because the structures might not be there mm. and, and and sometimes when you go into acceleration companies would need to make actually a strategic acceleration unit to make it happen because if you have a brilliant new business ideas and it cannot live up to the numbers of the existing products there's a high risk that the some someone in the sales organization say well it looks great but I'd rather sell this because it's a lot easier to make my numbers here and that's the the right. way I get my bonus yeah Yeah, I totally mm. agree that you need to 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 maybe incentivize it differently because mm. how can you really relate to a new initiative, a new project, a new uh, product or service as the same as a very very uh, old or traditional yep. or something that you've done so well? And even for the sales, they know how to sell it. They know yep. what to say in order to sell it. So it's yep. easier for them. So it really makes sense. Yep. And And what you said about the developer is that they don't know how to uh, sell the idea or to 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 do the storytelling that is needed in order to convey their ideas. It's so important for an organization, which is a tech organization, to utilize their resources better because they mm-hmm. have the ideas and they have the talent and they have the knowledge out there. Mm-hmm. But many cases, these people who are very brilliant don't have the power or even the opportunity mm-hmm. to express that, which is. it's a shame that they're not using their own employees and sometimes their employees even like they really want to do something which is challenging and different and to take responsibility for a new thing and they don't have the opportunity to do it which is true and, and they'll need some level of guidance also I think we have also been in situations where I had a colleague once who said well sometimes it's like stone management go find a stone to me and come back and then come here's the stone oh I need something a little different go, go find another stone um and and that could be frustrating in 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 yeah. the long run and, and certainly the company will not profit on that 
No, it needs to be managed in a sense. So, so what would be like the best tips and practices for change makers and innovation, innovation leaders as you see it? Well, I think... Um... I think one of them is to 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 work on your communication skills. How do you, this value pitch like in the startup world and and get um, all around your opportunity, not just as a technical solution, but what is the value creation in the market? What is the value creation for the company, and and what could this be? So I think that's that's uh, one very important thing, and and then communicate, communicate, and and communicate some more. Um, And yeah. I think one thing is also uh, we we really like the um, in our team we like the Mark Twain uh, quote that it, it ain't um, what you don't know that gets you into trouble it's what you know for sure that just ain't so so it's, it's this mm -hmm. openness to go out and and really learn in the market and also in the organization to to um, to ask the right questions and not this oh it says that we want to do this in our strategy yeah this was maybe written ten years ago. Or five years ago, yeah. what does it mean now? Things has changed with COVID. Does it still have the yeah. same meaning? And uh, and maybe there's a new VP in the position. How does he see it? Go out and communicate. Get the dialogue. Yeah, to understand being, what's really about being more uh, open-minded in a sense mm -hmm. to something that you don't know. It's like yeah. really. Telling yourself, I don't really know. I have to verify it before. Yeah. It's it's not only my gut feeling or this is written that this is, should be this way. Let's ask and talk to people within the company and outside in the clients and potential clients and really hear and listen uh, to what they, they have to say, uh, mm -hmm. which is another uh, talent to listen really well, Absolutely. to yeah. communicate and listen. Listen and communicate, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Then, So, so what would be the most surprising thing you learned about innovation after all these years of experience? Well, I think from when I started, I think that is the part that it's actually the uh, the ano, the the resource and organizational things that get in the way. How important that is, because I think as an engineer, I think you're trained. If you make the perfect solution, then it'll sell itself. So I think that has been. If I look back to when I started this journey and to now, I think that's probably the biggest surprise, how much about this, this culture, behavior, mindset, how, how important that is to, to be successful. Um, I think probably that's, that's the biggest in, in the journey I've had since I, I started uh, many years ago, 10 years ago yeah. on this journey. Yeah, I totally agree. And, I, and we have another uh, Ram, Ram Shetty, If I'm not wrong, effective communication and storytelling are the key for innovation. So, right, we, we totally agree with you, Ram. It, yeah. It's it's definitely, yeah. It's really so important. What you talked about is about the soft skills of, of yeah. people. Most people, when they think about innovation, they think about the tech part. Are mm -hmm. you, yeah. Do you understand all the tech trends and all the technology related to that and, and really understand it to the details, which is only one part? And maybe it's more measurable and tangible. Do I understand yeah. AI or not? Do I understand mm -hmm. blockchain or not? And, and what is really needed is to see the vision and communicate the vision. And without it, we cannot really do anything. Uh, idea is just an idea before something is created and tested and, and, and seen in the real world. 
Exactly, and I would also say that an idea is just an idea until you start to put some flesh on the bone. You begin to talk about what what can it do in the market, what can it do for the company, what is the value creation. Then you can begin to to measure. Then you can begin to compare whether one opportunity is is more attractive than another. And yeah, and, and if you're in very early stage, don't put it into a spreadsheet and then let that decide what you're doing. You can use spreadsheet to have good guiding questions. And then you need to get the dialogue, the discussion, okay, how do we rate them? How do we want to build our portfolio of, uh, of discovery opportunities, incubation opportunities? How do we want to have a strong portfolio with some with higher uncertainties, some with lower uncertainties that fits uh, our company and, and, and the state uh, we are in? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's it's so important to see this as a something which is like a learning experience that you have mm -hmm. something in the beginning and then you more learn more and more about what you thought and your and the way you see things is changing while you're doing it, and uh, and it's something more humble in a sense because because it's not like we're all we know everything. We are so good at you know like pumps or, or something like that. True. In that way, it's humble. On the other, uh, the other way of thinking, you can also say you need to believe in your vision. So it's 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 yes and no. So it's humble in the sense that so the, and it's. Uh, I think there was also someone who said, "The more I learn, the more I know I don't know." So, yeah. so to have this this mindset, but but I think it's also important that you you really find something you believe in because how do you expect people to follow you if you don't believe in the idea yourself, in the vision yourself? So so right. that's also important. You don't need to want to be that humble that that you uh, that people think, oh, doesn't he believe in what he's saying? Yeah, and I. I I didn't mean that you will be like humble and won't say what you think. I I, th yeah. I yeah. thought about humble of not knowing yeah. and maybe experimenting and learning on your way and not uh, knowing everything in advance. And then once we ha we know everything, then we could do something with it. It's yeah. more like we're we're all learning on 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 the way for sure. Exactly. And maybe just one thing that, that just comes to mind. I think it's also important for corporates when they want to build. Uh, um, a capability for innovation, they will also have to look in their different roles. And we see that it's, it's relatively seldom that we see people that are brilliant in discovery in the conceptualization that also will be brilliant when they need to accelerate because there's also two different worlds. There's also a difference between being the people who's trying to synthesize ideas, uh, from thought leaders, from own thinking, from lab experiments for discovery, and and um, and those who are more in the leadership role, who are trying to orchestrate a portfolio, who are who are working on establishing, creating, and maintaining the organizational legitimacy towards other uh, senior leaders. So, so there are different roles in 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 um, in that as well. I think that's also important to understand. And some of them, especially if you work on 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 assessing opportunity will need to have a deeper understanding of technology because part of it is for sure also the feasibility of a technology 
And so I think that's also important to understand when you talk about what kind of people do you want working with innovation in in in, in corporates. Yeah, it's like we roles. need bo both parts. One is more yeah. of a vision and planning and seeing the strategy forward. And the other one is more like executing. How can we create that within our company? And how can we really create something, not only a vision, but yeah. go into the details. And in the details, we need... all these people who know how to really go and understand the technology to the details and, and to create that it's it's not enough to talk about it for sure exactly and sometimes it's great to have if you're working on working on digitalization sometimes it's great to have somebody who can, can do high level coding if you want to make a fast uh, learning prototype so it can, that can be very yeah. valuable sure yeah I think that in general to know how to create a fast experiment to Yeah. How can we create something fast and, and experiment? It's so, it's so important to, to know that we are in a direction. We don't know the details in the end, but we know that this is something that we could do yeah. uh, if, if it's the right direction. Well, yeah. actually, one surprise to me, Maggie, working with also with some chemical companies, I think, when we talked about designing learning experiments, it was very clear that when they want to ask an outside agency to do some clinical test, they were brilliant about setting up the requirements, how do they measure results. But when we start talking about how can we um, make some experiments about uh, is this valuable to the market, who will buy, then it will be a lot more difficult for them to be specific on what is our learning hypothesis what is it we need to learn how would we know if we got a result that will help us forward so, yeah so that was actually also a little surprising that it's not that easy to transfer that skill from the yeah. main skill uh, as a, a chemist or a biologist or whatever the background scientist to another field that's into chemistry consumer behavior market behavior or business models or other thing and so so that also needs some coaching to help these people to to, to do that yeah I think it's it's what we said about like open-mindedness that you can mm -hmm. you you have the skill you have the talent but you could use it in other like prismas and you can yep. see in a different matrixes it could be used and And it really demands a flexibility from from these people to see things differently and to act differently in different processes and it's it's a great learning opportunity for for people as if they want to learn of course exactly yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're almost done and 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 it's been a pleasure so where would could people hear more about you and contact you I'll, I'll elaborate your screen so so I think the, the easiest way is to go to my LinkedIn profile. And on my contact information, you'll find the, the links to our innovation group where you can read more about uh, how we work in our innovation group, our methodology, and there are also case stories uh, that you can follow. You can see uh, bios of other team members. So uh, I think that's the easiest way to learn more about what we do and how we do it. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay, so thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure, Earl, to have you with me and, and very inspiring and interesting as always. And, and we should talk again for sure. Absolutely. It, it was a big pleasure. So uh, I'm looking forward to get the opportunity again um, sure. and hope sure. it has been helpful for, for the people out there as well. Yeah, I really hope to. And, and to all of you changemakers out there, thank you for joining me. We'll be here again next episode. Thank you. Thank bye you. Bye-bye. I'm Adima Zorkario, and you've been listening to the Invincible Innovation Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, invincibleinnovation.com, 
where you can learn more about our programs and my book, Innovating Through Chaos. I'll be waiting for you next week in our next episode. Thank you for listening.